Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is a podcast from Minute Media. <laughs> it would be a wolf, but I. Hello everyone. Happy December the 9th. It's Dan Hughes here. Little Dan of the Fancast hosting the latest Wolves Fancast preview episode in association with the 90 Media Network. And this episode is brought to you by Pro Prep. I've got to, with, with me tonight, uh, Kim and Gully. How are you doing, guys? Not bad for a Thursday. Been better, but we're soldiered on. I nearly crashed my car on the way out of work. Got stuck in all the loads of uh, Birmingham New Road traffic, so that's why I'm a bit haphazard at the moment. Let's just get your opinions on Sassy's game uh, against Liverpool. Kim, obviously, we lost one nil late goal to Swine Divokarigi. What was your thoughts on the performance as a whole? Um, I think at the time I felt like we were actually quite unlucky, maybe, and I think that was purely because of the the way that we lost. However, I think on reflection, um, I don't feel like we tested Liverpool as much as we probably could and should have. Um, you know, I think they had around, was it about 17 attempts in the end, albeit they didn't create loads of clear quick chances. But, you know, obviously off the top of my head, the, the Jota header chance, the one that was almost cleared off the line, um, that those two were obviously really clear quick chances. So I think we were we played brilliantly defensively, but I think going forward it was quite disappointing, and and we could have hurt Liverpool a lot more than we actually did. Yeah, I agree. I think it felt like one of them heavyweight boxing matches where some paid heavyweight has just been put up put in with like Anthony Do- Joshua or Deontay Wilder, and them just trying to go the the 12 rounds and, and not get knocked out. That's the way it felt to me. Gully, you released a uh, tactical analysis yesterday on our YouTube channel. If you haven't seen it, guys, uh, get on it. It's a nice little insight into what the average fan doesn't look for or see in the 90 minutes. Do you want to give us a brief recap of that? Yeah, I think kind of to change the narrative a little bit, um, I had a look at really from the Liverpool perspective of, as, as to what they did well against us and Ultimately, the fact that we only had three shots at goal was because we couldn't really breach the the final third of the pitch, whether it was through the midfield, um, players like Fabinho and Thiago doing a really good job of stopping, uh, like some Adama, Raul and Huang. Um, so there was a period of tactical fouls in the second half in particular, which really 
stops our momentum on on Adama as well. It's all part of the, the game plan, I guess. If uh, you can't stop him by fair means, then, then do it by foul. And um, the other thing was um, continually letting us run offside uh, in the second half, which looks entirely infuriating to Wolves fans, I'm sure. But it's amazing how simple and easy it is for you know, professional footballers to just be over eager when trying to make runs and, and and as long as you're confident in your back line just sticking in a line, um, you know, you can you can actually take advantage of of the offside rules there. It felt like a recurring problem, didn't it? Our sort of attacking impetus from our central midfield in regards to Den Donker and Neves not really having the legs or the, the the pace to get into the right areas. And obviously there was a few times in the second half, particularly where the ball went over the top of their defence. And like you said, our attackers were either dawdling and found themselves offside or Den Donker's legs just weren't getting on that final ball. Bruno Large mentioned uh, in the last couple of days about the, the tactical fouls and referees needing to be a bit more on top of it. Fabinho was, was, you think Fabinho was lucky to not get sent off on Saturday. Um, it's just one of those, isn't it? I feel like it could have gone either way. I think I think Wolves fans were just a little bit biased towards the fact that it, you know we all would have liked him to have got sent off. I think the reality is it's touch and go, isn't it? It wasn't. It wasn't reviewed, was it? Was it at the time? I don't think. No, I don't think they do for yellow cards. I think Fabinho was lucky not was to it? get yellow card before he actually picked up his first yellow, wasn't he? Possibly, yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, they know what they're doing, and they know where to where they can push the the boundaries to, don't they? And bottom line is, we've probably not been as savvy as other teams in the past. I think Nuno actually used to used to mention it um, with regards to our midfield, and I actually think Matinho is pretty good at um, getting away without getting carded and stuff. He's it's amazing how few yellow cards he actually picks up, given how many. He's got a cheeky face that usually gets forgiven in front of a referee, doesn't it? Yeah, He's got good I, face, hasn't he? I think that's yeah. what it is. I don't know whether that plays on the referees' minds. They don't expect <laughs> him to be, uh, you know, flicking at ankles and stuff like that. But I think if you think about the game, did you really feel like there was a warranted red card in there? I, I don't. You know, we've 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 watched games. I'm sure where you actually feel like there's a need to send a player off. It didn't feel like that really. Um, in that one. No, I, I, th- I think what Bruno Large mentioned is it, it's the consistency of refereeing. Is it that if you're going to book a player, make sure it's the consistency throughout the, the 90 minutes? If you, I think the, the booking that he actually got was probably less of a booking than the one he should have got booked for. It's, but that's the whole reason of tactical fouls and stopping a Dharma in his tracks, wasn't it? So that was our only outlet, wasn't it, on Saturday? Yeah. yeah. Definitely. I think that was probably the issue, though, wasn't it? That he was the only outlet. So, you know, it's almost like the crowd are just waiting for Adama to inevitably stroll past players and, and create chances. And it's it's kind of unfair and it's like it's hard because every game I literally change my mind about Adama and what he brings to the team and how frustrating he is and Next week, he'll be great and create loads of chances that we inevitably miss, which isn't his fault. But then the, the week after, he'll have loads of chances which he should have put away or he makes wrong decisions. So, oh. I, think it's a, I think Bruno's trying to create this this dynamic in our attacking areas where 
there's going to be Adama games. There's going to be Pedence games. You know, there's going to be maybe even a Trent Cow game here or there. It's not always going to be the case that he has to play every single week unless he's literally playing out of his skin. Um, Does that help these players though if they're literally chopping and changing every week and they're having one one chance to um, perform or if not they know they're going to be rotated again? I mean, and I don't think particularly Huang's... Obviously, you feel like at least if he gets a chance, he's more than likely going to score. However, he hasn't really been influencing games lately, has he? You know, you could argue that Pedence and Adama deserve a chance, but I think for me the key is that Adama just doesn't really fit the new system, having to sort of cut in and you know play as an inverted winger. I'm not sure it's working um, for him because he naturally doesn't want, doesn't fit that mold. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I don't entirely agree with that. I just, feel, I just feel with Adama, it's, it's purely down to confidence, and he's making. He's making chances for, for everyone. I think the one stat in, in the week which we put out in, in regards to I think there's only Killian Mbappe has created more chances in Europe this season in the in the league than Adama. And he hasn't even started some games for us. Uh, the one opportunity on Saturday he barged um Virgil off the ball, went inside, and he's obviously classic Adama, his decision making wasn't great at the end of me and myself felt he, he should have got his shots away, but in the end we he fizzled out into another wasted attack, didn't it? Yeah, you just want a bit more conviction from him, don't you? And, and to really, you know, grab a situation by the throat. I mean, the one time he did it was against Burnley, where he actually decided, you know, I'm going alone. I'm going to go and strike this ball at goal. And I mean, he's, if he scores, it was brilliant and, and whatnot. But then we all go back to the point that he, he, he could have passed it there. But I don't know. It, there are double standards, I think, when it comes to Adama. Um, he is basically tasked with the most difficult job on the pitch against the most difficult teams, often. Um, and that tactic was uh, clearly against Liverpool, give the ball to Adama, see what he can make of situations like 50 yards from goal. And, you know, he's only in that position because he's capable, but then people will get frustrated with him when he doesn't necessarily deliver on what is basically the hardest job in the team. I think people still neglect to remember on a regular basis that we paid eighteen million pounds from him from a relegated Premier League side. He had probably a six month period where he was to a degree unstoppable with Raul in that sort of Europa season. But we're still treating him as if he's a hundred million pound player every week and if he was a hundred million pound player, we he wouldn't have ever graced a wool shirt, would he? I think he does he does give off that perception that he has, you know, he can just go past about five, six players like it's easy. And we almost I think take that for granted sometimes. Like what other player just goes past five, six players more than a couple of times a game, which he he, he generally does. I think it's just so frustrating because as you say, he's a confidence player and the the lower his confidence is, the worst his decision making is so when he's like he is confident at least he at least puts some good balls in he at least gets some shots on target when his confidence is low he completely can't even get a good crossing can't doesn't make the right decision holds on to the ball too long so I can see both sides but as you say Dan to be fair he was only an 18 million pound player from Middlesbrough he's just got the potential and the attributes to be um, a lot better and provide a lot more output than he than he currently is. 
What's the sort of transfer fee that we can realistically expect for Adama from this moment? Say, come January. I mean, who's going to come in for him first? And then what's a realistic value? What's, what's your opinion on that, Gully? I feel like, <laughs> as it stands, you're talking... Uh, I mean, don't like getting into a conversation about transfer fees just because you, you are what a play, person is willing to pay for you to a certain extent. Like, yeah. it's, it, it, there's not yeah. necessarily a, an actual you know, ballpark that we could all agree upon. But if you talked, if, if the, if the club was offered 30 million quid right now, I think they'd probably take it because ultimately he's not produced the levels of a 30 million pound player from an output perspective. Um, but it's just that game changing nature that he has, that everyone's going to want to try, you know, it's like, it's like that, um, that guy, you know, everybody wants to fix because, you know, he's cheated on his girlfriend millions of times. And there's always that one girl who thinks, you know what, I'll fix him. Um, but it never quite seems to happen, does it? But we'll see what other managers look to try and solve the, the riddle, I guess. What sort of team do you think could even come in for him, Kim? Because I, I can't work out what team in the Premier League is going to come in for Adama. I, I thought maybe Tottenham when Nuno was there, but I, I don't know. I was about to say to yeah. But now now they've got Conte. I don't, I don't know. Is he a Conte-style player? Um, maybe a Liverpool. I know that sounds crazy, but they haven't got exactly the best squad depth, have they? They don't like to splash out loads. So if you're talking Liverpool, they'd probably want like a the instalments type deal like we had with Jota. Um, so I wouldn't be that surprised if they come in, actually. Like, that's I think Liverpool as well. They, they, they tend to go for those kind of project players as well. They don't buy ready-made, absolute, you know, yeah. completed, you know, players. They, they, they'll they yeah. buy someone who can work in. Minamina, for example, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and don't forget, Mane and Salah, they're going to be without in January. So they're in shit street, aren't they, really? Yeah. They've got Minamino, yeah. Origi. Yeah. Yeah, Liverpool seems to be the only team that are plausible for me to come in for a dom purely because he's not going to be as expensive as we would hope as a fan base, and he's not Champions League tied either. So it seems to go hand in hand for me. But we'll see come come January, won't we? Um, this weekend we head up north to face Pep Guardiola's Manchester City. They came off the back of a three-one win away at Watford last Saturday and a two-one defeat. Um, away to Red Bull Leipzig in the Champions League uh, last night. We've played Manchester City 14 times in the Premier League, uh, losing eight, drawing two and winning four. Apart from that um, 3-2 Christmas victory, any Man City games stand out for you, Kim? Um, I think the obvious one, well, there's two obvious ones actually, isn't there? There's the... 2-0, where we were 2-0 down at Molyneux, and then Matt Doherty scored the winner um, to come back to win 3-2. And then there's the 2-0 away when Adama, believe it or not, scored two identical goals when he was um, running through. Um, yeah, I can't see that happening this time, but those are quite memorable, I guess, quite in the... I don't particularly... I'm not very good at remembering games, but those two games I can remember pretty clearly. Yeah, I am. Um, Anything for you, I was, 
I've always got fond memories of the um, the League Cup game that went to penalties. Um, just because I felt like we were a championship side at the time. Um, and we played brilliantly. And we, yeah. we probably should have won that game. You look at um, the side that they put out that night as well. Yeah, exactly. And um, we had Brighton and Bakari Lee in the line. So, you know, I, always, I, I enjoyed the game, enjoyed the performance. Just always felt well, what could have been with, you know, him... Imagine him scoring the winner in that kind of fixture. What could have been for his career, and you know, who knows what what he might have made of that. But um, that gives yeah. me nightmares, though. That game, like I, just, <laughs> I try and erase that one from the memory because I felt that we could have won that. We should have. We should have. We had yeah. all the one on ones and all that. Yeah, but we should have won. It was. Well, it was a I great performance, like... wasn't it? That was. I think that's the, yeah. the general gist of what you're saying. Yeah, and I don't know, Man City. I feel like we never. We never let ourselves down against City, really. Um, we had the game last year away from home where we were literally just parked on the edge of the box. And Cody somehow manages to pull that goal back off the free kick. I, I don't know how we managed to score in that game, but then we did let ourselves down to concede the goals that we did towards the end of the game. But other than that, I've always felt we've given a good account of ourselves. I think there was the one where Bolly got sent off as well, wasn't there? Um, and, and it was just... The game was done at that point, but oh, I, I'm never totally pessimistic playing Man- Manchester City, basically, because I feel like we've got enough talent to threaten them. Now, we have always been a bit of a inconvenience, haven't we? When it comes to Man City, we, we know our we know our roles. Obviously, we usually have five behind, five at the back, and Nuno's usually had his set up really well against him in the past. Obviously, this is Bruno Large's uh, first uh, test against. Pep in the Premier League. Uh, you mentioned a moment ago last season uh, we lost four-one at the Etihad. It was literally, like you said, an absolute attack versus defence display from Wolves that night. At the time, I thought Nuno was going to land one of his lucky master tactical masterclasses when uh, Cody nicked that uh, equaliser in the sixty-first minute. And if my memory is correct, I think. Adamo had a big chance at one all as well. And like I said, we can pitch that. If you look at some of the stats there, 22 shots for Man City, 73% possession, 92% pass accuracy. It was literally, it was an embarrassing night really, wasn't it? When you look at that scoreline. Yeah. And I think if I remember rightly, I felt felt like, didn't we hold our own for a fair bit? And then it felt like as soon as we like conceded the one, even though Cody managed to nick a goal, it was just, it was always, there was always going to, going to score. And I feel like that's, that will be the same. I feel like we're going to set up the same and how we have for the majority of our away, away games this season and be really negative. And I feel like it could be a really long day for us on Saturday if Man City click into gear and if they get the the first goal. It, I mean, that that game last year, I remember, because I think Semedo actually ended up starting in the right-hand side up top. We had Herve playing at, at, at wing-back and he just screamed out from that lineup. that's what we were setting up to do and just kind of holding on for dear life. And I'd, I'd compare that with the game at the weekend. A lot of people have spoken about the fact that we were negative. I don't really think we were negative. I think there was a concerted effort to try and play attacking football and, and get on the front foot when we could. We were just stopped from doing so. And that's the other thing that will, I mean, I feel like 
when when we watch this game, it's it's almost worth considering Man City will a for a start they'll keep the ball away from us at all times, and b when they do lose it, they will be straight onto us to get it back, and that's what their real art is almost. To they are obviously a really good football team in possession, but you know. Winning the ball back is so important, especially against a team with players like Adama Traore in. With you know, unfortunately Neto's not around, but you know someone like him would be a danger in that kind of threatening situation. So that's where you know they'll show their class. I think. Based on what you've seen, obviously uh, against Liverpool on Saturday, and what you've seen out from Man City in in recent years, is there any t- team? better than Liverpool in the world at the moment? Because my opinion is Liverpool are, because I think Man City are the only team that have, Man City have to change the way they play as a default when coming up against Liverpool. Whereas Liverpool don't need to change their style when they come up against Man City. Is that what you said? Yeah. 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 I can't work it out. Like I feel like Liverpool are the complete team, e.g. great defence, great attack. However, as soon as it, if they do start getting injuries and when they have um, the guys go off to the African nations, I think it'll show and I think they'll struggle. Whereas Man City, they've got a great squad. However, I still think they're missing that focal point, that, that striker. Whereas I think Liverpool have got, although they don't have your, your out-and-out goal scorer, they've got Firmino and they have all their attacking players that that go around them. Um, I don't know. It's hard to compare. And then obviously you've got Chelsea who are just like a machine, but not as exciting to watch maybe. Um, I can't quite decide who I think is going to win the league, basically. What's your opinion on that? You mentioned it just in regards to Liverpool, uh, Thiago and Fabinho, how, how well they kept the ball, but the, the, the noticeable difference that I've noticed between Man City and Liverpool is Liverpool's relentlessness to get the ball back when they do lose it. I don't think Man City have that same intensity of getting the ball back as Liverpool did on Saturday. Yeah, they, I think to a certain extent they do, but because they keep the ball so much, you're not seeing it as much, if you see what I mean. You know, yeah. Liverpool aren't actually that obsessed with dominating the ball. Um you actually see quite a lot of long balls uh, from them. They they don't feel the need to absolutely keep the ball away from you, whereas City kind of do. Um, and I think that's where, you, like you're saying, the Liverpool versus City games, you get a little bit of a, a situation where, yeah, City, they're almost afraid of losing the ball to Liverpool because then in the transition, they do absolutely kill you. Um, but it's, I mean, from what I've seen in City this season, they've been really comfortable with basically just being defensively sound and just kind of trusting their quality to come up with the goods um, as and when in different moments of games. You know, I think the first half against Watford, they weren't necessarily, you know, overtly trying to, you know, put them out of the, the game in the first five, ten minutes. It it was quite almost like a gradual kind of process. And eventually Bernardo Silva comes up with, you know, the, the magic and he's, he's, he's up there with Salah this season in terms of the, the, the performance levels, I think. We've got uh, Joe Butters, at Joe Butters from City Extra, has just joined us now. Obviously, how's things going, Joe? Obviously, big win against Watford uh, last weekend to keep you well in the title race. Bit of a blip against uh, Leipzig with a bit of a weakened team. But 
How have you found City's uh, performances overall this season? Um, yeah, we've been like uh, we've been on almost the best version. I think a lot of people are saying that this is the best version of City that we've seen under Pep, um, which I think is uh, maybe we have to look at the end of the season to know whether that's really the case or not. Because I will always sort of have the the, the Centurion season of a hundred points as like some of the best football that we've that we've ever played. But um, I think in terms of the way that we're as as he was just saying there, in terms of the way that we absolutely dominate games at the moment, like it, it's this is on like a level. Obviously, we've already we've always dominated possession to some extent, um, but it's never really been in the way that we have been recently. Um, it's like you say we we sort of with Watford, we kind of slowly strangled the life out of them for that game. Obviously, they got the, they got quite a fortunate goal in the second half, and it's sort of bouncing back off the post, and and that kind of thing can happen every now and then. Um, but we've, whereas last season it felt like we were a lot more defensively solid in terms of pure defending. Like Ruben Diaz came in and completely changed the defense. This season it feels a lot like we've been sort of getting through games without conceding very many goals, largely because we've not really given the opposition a lot of the ball at all. Um, I don't have the numbers to hand, but I would be shocked if we're not the team in the league that's had the least chances against them in terms of shots. Um, so yeah, we've been we've been very good this season, and it's it's nice to see that we're we're finally sort of top of the league to make up for that because we have had a couple of blips against you know the Southampton and Crystal Palace games were two in particular that felt like real like, like games that we should have won and just like didn't for a number of reasons, um, and those kind of games can still happen every now and then, um, particularly particularly against Wolves in seasons gone by. Actually, we've had a couple of sort of banana skin games against against you guys, so. Um, yeah, uh, but based on our current form, obviously Leipzig game aside, but as you say, a very a very rotated side, and I think everybody in the squad was well aware of just how utterly meaningless that game was in terms of you know we were already top of the group. Um, Leipzig were th- con- confirmed third in the group unless unless um, Bruges did something against PSG, which they didn't. Um, yeah, we, it, it was we're, we're looking good at the moment, very good. Um, so I'm. I'm I'm feeling confident going into this game, but as I've said, we've, you know, I've, I've maybe felt about like going into the games against Wolves in the past, and and it's not gone, it's not gone quite so well for City in those games. Just on those, yeah, I mentioned uh, just before numbers, you came on. Sorry, Gully, um, we have been a bit of an inconvenience to to Man City, but as strong as Man City. Yeah, you you have like you mentioned, do you have the occasional blip in regards to Crystal Palace and Southampton. Let's let's hear those numbers, Gully. Sorry, yeah, I was just having a look at the um, the XG figures for, for City and non-penalty XG conceded is 9.3 and the next best team is up at 13. So it yeah. just shows you the, you the gap between second best and, and the best and you know, they're really well, not giving issue, anything away. Our issue can be with games like that and it was very much this This was very much the case against Crystal Palace and, and from memory off the top of my head has, has a lot of the time been the issue when we played against Wolves is that sometimes those... That, that that XG of nine point three is is very good, but I, I would say that sort of the ratio of of those chances to the XG is probably like quite low. Like in terms of we don't give up very many chances, but if we do, it's going to be a, a big lot one of the time. Almost, yeah. yeah, a lot of a lot yeah. of times they can be like someone like Adama, for example, who has done this to us on many occasions, just breaking through, having a one on one with the keeper, and then that's quite a high XG chance. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've been, we've been really good at sort of keeping out sort of 
a lot of scrappy goals. Like we haven't conceded very many of those. Like you saw the goal that West Ham scored against us a few weeks ago, like an absolute worldie from like the outside of the box in the last minute. Like goals like that are, are, the, uh, are the kind of things you can't really do much about. But as long as we can sort of keep, because I'm assuming that Adama Traore on the break is probably going to be at least part of your game plan at the weekend, unless there's something wrong with Adama Traore. Um, so as long as we can sort of hopefully reduce that from being from being an issue, then we, we should hopefully be, be able to dominate in a similar way that we have been in recent weeks, I hope. I don't think he's definitely going to start, though. <laughs> he might oh, really? Not, he might not start. Um, I'll be surprised, but it's not 100% that he will, just because we mm. rotate so much with the, the wingers. Yeah, yeah. It, it would be bold, absolutely bold, if uh, Bruno didn't start Adama purely on the fact that you look at the he, him being our only outlet against Liverpool and we're pretty much going to be fighting against the possession stats again on Saturday. And if we're ever going to come create any chances, it's going to be purely through Neves, Martino or, or Dendonker in that midfield, making one interception and getting Adama on the halfway line running against your back four. Obviously, City lost to Red Bull Leipzig last night with a with a relatively weak aside. I don't even, I, I, it's quite deflammatory to say weak, isn't it, with that team? Because hmm. that starting yeah. eleven, as you can see on the right, pretty much still finishes in the in the top six, doesn't it? I mean, if, if not top four, easy. Um, but let's look at the team that City put out against Watford last week. Uh, obviously, Edison in goal, Cancelo, uh, Laporte, Diaz and Paul Walker at the back. Uh, Rodri, uh, Gundogan, uh, with Bernardo Silva in the midfield, with Foden, Sterling and... Jack Grealish as a sort of false name. Uh, Kim, what sort of areas within that sort of City team do we need to be looking at, at exploiting without calling in Jesus and the rest of the other gods? I mean, it's hard to even see a weakness there, isn't it, really? Um, you know, I think, as you said, Dan, I think the only hope that we have is that we get a Dharma on the ball after City have probably about 90% possession in the first 10 minutes and we, you know, go and hit them on the break. That's That will have to be our game plan. You know, you'd like to think that our full-backs will try and push forward, but I can only see sort of Cancelo and Kyle Walker doing the same to us. So I feel like this is the game where we've just got to hope that Adama and probably Raul almost re conveal their little um, sort of understanding that they, they had prior to, to Raul's injury. And I, I don't think it's happened quite as much um, since Raul's been back, but they have linked up really well in the in the past. So it might be that, that Bruno almost pushes Adama a lot closer to Raul and, and just, you know, see what we can do on, on the break. But in answer to your question, I I'm literally struggling to tell you who is the weak link in that side. I mean, the only thing that you can say is there's not an out-and-out striker, but I don't think that's necessarily um, a weakness because there's so much interchanging, obviously, between all the, all of the the front players. I suppose all you could say is that's a, a quite attacking sort of lineup with sort of four really, you know, players that like to push on. So will will that be the same team? on Saturday, possibly there might be a couple of changes because we all know that Pep likes to 
to rotate. But I am hoping that Gundogan starts because he's in my fancy team. <laughs> Priorities. Priorities. Anything within that sort of um, <laughs> lineup there, City's lineup, Gully, that you think we need to be looking at? I mean, the the, the key jaw for me personally is um, Bernardo Silva versus uh, Ruben Neves. If, if Wars are going to have any chance of uh, breaking away, we, we've got to be getting uh, Neves intercepting and uh, getting us quite on the on the counter rapidly. I think, but Bernardo Silva, I think he's got more goals and assists than Cristiano Ronaldo this season. So it, it clearly shows how informed Bernardo is. Yeah, it's it, it's ultimately going to come down to the fact that you know, man for man, we can't we, we can't match up with, with City. Um, we just got to use our attributes to to the best of our ability and. and when you when you pick a team against it, I think it's almost just thinking, well, who, which of our players can do the most with the least possession, and and ultimately it just comes down to the fact that on his day nobody can live with the Dharma. Um, I think Neves is exactly the kind of midfielder who can release quick passes into space in behind the defence that's likely to be positioned quite high, and then hoping that you know you, the the timing of the runs are better the, the you know the decision making is is on point because ultimately we we're, we're going to get so few chances to actually attack their goal that everything has to come perfectly and that win back at the Etihad when Adama scored those two goals at, at the end of the game every point in those moves the decision making was right and that's where you know you really need your players to turn up and and, and stamp their mark Is there any sort of mindset to do what I mentioned before, Liverpool and maybe sacrifice Wang and going to a, a central midfield of three? I wouldn't be surprised if he did do that, you know. I wouldn't be surprised if he played three in centre midfield, added Matinho to your lineup there, and then sacrificed Wang and almost played Adama through the middle with Raul. Um that's not beyond possibility, however, and probably a fair adjustment because the reality is no matter what formation we play, we're going to be under the cosh the whole game anyway, aren't we? Um, so, yeah. Uh, Johnny Laura in the comments says, do Wolves generally come out to play and not just sit back against the big six? I think in, in recent years, We've usually had a set game plan, which is to to sit in, but not to park the bus. What's your opinion on that, Gully? I think ultimately, when under Nuno, we were defence first as a as a team, so it wasn't necessarily whether it was the big six or or any team really. We used to stifle teams really, really, really well, um, and that was basically the approach pretty much all the time. Now it, it'll look worse because against the bigger teams, we won't have as much of the ball, and so objectively and, and aesthetically, it'll look like we're just parking the bus uh, most of the time. But that was just the way we approached football in general. Um, Do you know what the difference is though between when Nuno was in charge in when he, you know, when we were on? form we would park the bus to an extent however as soon as we got that ball back we were breaking quickly we had Jota and Raul who were absolutely insane like together had that partnership whereas now we park we'll obviously park the bus and we have done in a lot of away games to be fair but we just don't break quick enough so you know we're not winning games 
we're not looking as, fl- as free flowing. But the reality was, even a few seasons ago, I think we were parking the bus, but we were just very good, and the, each player knew their job, and we knew where we needed to be in order to to break and, and score the goals. But I just don't feel like we've we've got that currently, personally. Do you see any changes being made to the city lineup, Joe? Obviously, we've heard in the last sort of twenty four hours that. Phil Foden's been having a few ankle issues of late, but he should be in mm. contention for Saturday as well as Naifanaki. But, but is is there anyone in that lineup that from the Watford game um, that may be rotated? Um, I would say that Foden probably, I would certainly hope, will be rotated. Um, he was brought off as a precaution against Leipzig at halftime. Um, apparently he felt something in the same ankle that he had injured earlier in the season from quite early on. So I'm hoping that if he is going to be involved, it will it will be from the bench rather than from the start, in which case I would expect Grealish maybe to move out to the left. Um, and I would probably put, I would put De Bruyne in the false nine um, now that he's sort of played, got 90 minutes, well, near enough 90 minutes in his leg, um, in his legs against Leipzig. Um, he played really well in the false nine against United, I think, before he before he caught COVID. Um, so yeah, so I'm hoping um, that those changes will be made just to just to give uh, Foden a bit of a bit of time off because I don't really like I don't really like to see players sort of played through injury if it can possibly be avoided. Um, that back four, I'll be surprised if it changes. The only way that I can maybe see it changing is if um, after Kyle Walker's ridiculous red card that he got at the end of that Leipzig game if Pep decides that he's going to want to punish him but if, if Pep's got any sense about him Kyle Walker's probably the only person in the league that can match Adama for pace or come close to doing it so if there's any way that you want to sort of try and nullify that counter-attacking threat you've got to play Kyle Walker um the midfield three should stay exactly the same um Bernardo and Rodri were given a total rest they didn't even travel to Leipzig um so they're both they're both going to have had a bit of um, bit of rest in their legs over this week, and yeah, I, I think that that's. I think realistically, there'll maybe be one or two changes from the Watford game, but this 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 general collection of of, of players that's in that starting eleven with one or two changes, maybe this this general team is is the one that is playing just so well at the moment, and and really doesn't have much of a reason to be um to be changed out, especially seen as especially since all the players who did come in against Leipzig, who maybe had a, a, a starting spot to fight for, definitely did not do enough to really give Pep any sort of headaches this weekend. Kim, Gully, does it make you feel sick inside that he's just mentioned Kevin De Bruyne might be back and I hadn't even considered him looking at those two lineups? <laughs> uh, I, to be fair, I just like watching him play, so I've, I've not got a problem with him playing. It's okay. I think whatever he's got a goal against yeah. Uh, yes, I think the day we won 3-2, coming from behind, he played Sterling in for the one where he went through one-on-one. It's, yeah, from yeah, what I remember. Enough, yeah. yeah. Whatever, whatever line-up. I mean, like... You know, we're going to struggle, aren't we? So, on, whatever line-up City play, you know, if Kevin De Bruyne's on the bench, they've still got absolutely world-class play. It's crazy to think that Kevin De Bruyne isn't almost in the preferred starting lineup at the moment. I know he's had like yeah. injuries and stuff, but that is crazy to think because I think he'd still walk into any other team in the league. Yeah. 
It's strangely right, enough, Jav, I think um, I think Wolves would probably be sorry. Sorry, I was just going to say I think strangely enough, Wolves are probably better to you know come at this from the same way that Crystal Palace did. Like just just rather than rather than sit back and hope to soak up the pressure, just press us from really early on. Like just go for it and actually just like give our back four like some problems on the ball because a lot of things that teams tend to do is just sort of almost ignore that from Edison to Rodri teams just kind of ignore that and don't even try to press it because it's very because one you're committing a lot of men up the pitch to do that anyway and two most of those players are very good at coping with the pressure anyway and probably won't get pressed on but really actually we've I, I for to my mind whenever teams have just gone out and and tried to put the pressure on really hard from from minute one that's usually been when our defense has made some mistakes and then if, if you're if you're pressing us at the center back position rather than pressing us in the front three, yeah, you might you might leave yourself a bit open to to something going the other way, but it's your best chance of scoring because if you if you get the ball off Rodri or um, or Laporte, for example, you've only got one or two players to beat. Whereas if you get the ball off, you know Bernardo, Sterling, Foden, you still got to get through the rest of the squad before you got a chance on goal. So, to me, I would suggest that we <coughs> maybe have a bit of a better chance of if they get that if they do that for the first maybe 10, 15 minutes. Maybe it goes badly for them, and maybe they concede. But if they, if they, you know, if they get a goal, then you've got something to defend then for the rest of the game, haven't you? Rather than just sort of sitting back and hoping that City don't score and that you get something on the break. It's a horrible role of the Dutch playing against Man City, isn't it? Um, like you just said, we have a yeah. start. We have a start with high intensity and hope we nick a goal, and then you've still got to play the rest of the. 80 plus minutes trying to keep them out, which is <laughs> as difficult as it, as it nil nil. Before we go to our ad break, uh, Joe, can I get a quick score prediction from you? Uh, God, I never, I never want to predict a win. My, my, my dad's side of the family are all Wolves fans, so I find it really difficult to predict um, a, a, a win against. He should disown you then for not following his footsteps. <laughs> um, that's what he gets for moving to Manchester and, and making me making me born here. Um, I'll say I, I, we've not been keeping many clean sheets lately, so I'd, be, I'd say Wolves will score, but I think we should hopefully have a bit too much, and it should be I'd say maybe two one. Not a very comfortable game, but I would I would predict in our current form a, a City win. Thank you, Joe, for coming on. Hopefully, um, we'll see you for the return fixture at Molyneux later on in the season. We're going to go for an ad break now and then we'll have ourselves a little quiz with Gully and Kim. Attention parents and students, we have an incredible exclusive offer from our friends at ProPrep. This is the perfect study tool for university students undertaking science, technology, engineering or maths related modules. It can halve your study time. ProPrep provides bite-sized videos relevant to the module or course which can be accessed from any device at any time. It's already helped over 500,000 students pass exams so far. They provide customised STEM study tools that match your syllabus. Long lectures are condensed into short and clear video tutorials. And after the videos, you can go through what you've just learned with interactive exercises and practice questions so you'll be ready. You can even submit questions to ProPrep professors and they'll receive a video answer within 24 hours. ProPrep have created a special offer just for our listeners, which all you need to do to access it is go to their website, proprep.uk forward slash info forward slash football. For more information, our listeners can sign up for a free 30-day trial now. No credit card information required as well. That's proprep.uk forward slash info forward slash football. Proprep, the perfect study tool. 
thanks, Rich, for that advertisement for our episode sponsors today, Pro Prep. Gully and Kim, I'm not going to keep you long because I know you've got a lively evening ahead of you. Uh, let's do a quick quiz, shall we? The first question is, you've got to name the... Uh, there's two people, so there's an actor or a musician or whatever, and then there's a Wolves player. So the first one is this. Name the actor, name the footballer. So it's an actor on, with his head on top of a Wolves football. I'm going to come to you first, Kim. Uh, oh, is that Stefan Meyerhofer, the player? That's the footballer. So who's the actor? Oh, I don't know who the actor is, though. I don't watch films. I think apparently, apparently this actor is a, a Man City fan and his name is similar to Stefan Meyerhofer's. Is it David Hasselhoff? Do you know it, Gully? Hasselhoff and Stefan. It's the Hoff, yeah. It's in, in, he's had some work done in that picture, I think. I was going to say, yeah. Uh, yeah, David Hasselhoff and Stefan Meyerhoff. The second question is, name the TV helper and the Wolves player. TV helper? What does that mean? He's got a sort of a, a TV show where he helps people with a certain task in their lives ah uh, okay i know this one i know this one it's martin lewis goburn isn't it that's, that's not martin lewis is it it's martin lewis the money saving expert yeah. that don't look like him yeah martin lewis and former wars winger lewis goburn yeah yeah so the third one is a really easy one because it was man city it's a it's a name the music player Liam Gallagher. Is that McAlinden? It is three out of three, guys. Liam Gallagher and Liam McAlinden. One last question before you go, and it's the classic name the goal scorer. So it's uh, during our Premier League period under Mick McCarthy. There's uh, just one quick clip which gets repeated. Name the Wolves goal scorer. First time ball. Ward, first time ball, off the post and in, it's the first time he's touched the ball. That's hard. Tough one there guys, tough one. Uh, let that me is just, hard. Uh, yeah, um, so Mick McCarthy season, uh, I think it was our, I think it might have been our second, sorry, first season back in the Premier League under Mick McCarthy towards the end of the season. Andy Keogh. Do you need me to play it again? Kim's gone with Andy Keogh, Gully. Mm, I think it might be Sylvan Ebanks-Blake. It was Sylvan Ebanks-Blake. I remember correctly. That was a stab in the dark. Yeah. I don't know what that game goal was Wolves from. Wolves won. Blackburn won. Uh, Stephen Ward cross Ebanks-Blake with one of the softest headers in off the post past Paul Robinson. I don't remember that goal. I don't remember that goal. Yeah. Literally like two or three games before the end of the season. We was already safe. It was basically, we drew that game one all and Steve Morgan was on the pitch at the end of the game saying, we will not be in this position this time next year. Was it at home? It was at home? No. Yeah, sorry, the home game. So it would have been the the season before. So we drew one all. Ryan Nelson scored for for Blackburn and Ebanks Blake came off the bench and with his first touch of the game, uh, nicked us the point 
thanks to everyone who uh, tuned in tonight. Continue to support the Wolves Fancast. We've got a few competitions on all our socials at the moment where we're doing a 20 days uh, Fancast, loads of novelty Wolves themed prizes. Hopefully we'll be back after the um, Man City game with a ridiculous Hurwick. I'll take a draw, but what are you guys Can thinking for prediction-wise? We haven't predicted. I know, I've just said, I'm, I'm going for a heroic draw, but what about you guys? Uh, 3-0 Man City, sorry. <laughs> Cheers, Kim. Was your question... It's meant to be festive this year. Do we predict instead of wanting to predict? I wanted to predict, so hopefully I'm wrong. Oh, you think Kim's you, you might Kim's going 3-0 City. Some reverse psychology. I'm going to go one all. Yeah, I'll go with hero- heroic one all where Adama nicks one on the counter. And hopefully, as I said, we'll be back after the Man City with our latest podcast. Bye for now. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the U.S. Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp. That's cbp.gov careers usbp.